Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. This is episode 32. I'm your host, Rui dos Santos, and we've got a great episode for you all. Jason Rigo is back in the studio with us tonight. So, Jason, welcome back. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, the season's coming down to the wire, and I love every moment and uh, every game that we have remaining. This is This is what football is all about. Yeah, title races that are, you know, that are going down to the last couple of games or even the last game of the season, hopefully for our sake that we we make it as tight as possible and overcome Benfica's four-point gap. There's still four games left after this week. I after believe this game so, against, right? Yeah, four games. Yeah. So a lot to play for here. Um, you know, a lot is still on the line. This game against Boa Vista was one of these games that was giving me all sorts of anxiety, man. I can't <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around it, but you know, a, a win is a win. Porto win 1-0 in the Derby the Invita. That's two for uh two out of two in this season. This time we win one nothing. And the goal, uh the deciding goal was from Teremi from the penalty spot, man. Uh What say you about this game, Jason? We found a way to get the points we needed. And honestly, at the end of the day, these are the exact moments we've been complaining about all season. And I'm happy to see Porto pull it out. doesn't really matter how they did it. Um, I think the, the victory was just. And I'm just happy to see us still fighting for the title. And it's not over yet. No. Just when we uh, thought it was over, and that life has been sparked, and we're back in it. Yeah, I mean... How, uh, you, You know, you hit the nail right on the head. We're just going to take these games as they are. And it's a derby game. Those are never easy. And I feel like in the coming weeks, you know, towards the end of the season, the games become more difficult and difficult. And we saw it in this entire game. I don't even really know how to break down this entire game uh, outside of Deremi's penalty, the red card from Marcano, and the big save from Diego Costa right at the end. Outside of it, it was just all a bunch of gray where you can't really make much positivity in it. I guess the only positive thing that I can take from this game was Diego Costa was great. The defense was pretty good. Um, the midfield was working hard, but it's just that lack of oomph at in the final third from our attackers and even in the in the midfield, just creating things and making goal scoring opportunities um, were really difficult in this game. Throughout the season, we've been very inconsistent in putting these shots away, but in this game, we we found it really hard to just get any goal scoring opportunities. Um, what say you about this? Yeah, I mean. That literally those three moments, I feel sum up the game. It was, it was very uneventful. Um, Bovista, we played into their game, right? They like to stay compact. They like to make our life hell, and I, I think they did a good job at it. I, I think they uh, they minimized, um, I guess, any space in the game, and essentially we had to play their game, and we we got the penalty, so we got the the one more goal than the opponent. But at the end of the day, that was there wasn't much separating the two sides. Yeah, absolutely. And it could have went the other way. It could have been tied. We're we're pretty much lucky to get the result that we did because there were some moments where Bovista were not being shy and they were kind of just getting into the final third with ease and making us hold our breaths a little bit, just like in the end when Diego Costa made that big save on Robert 
Bosnick's shot um, just minutes before the final whistle. So, yeah, uh, I really just – I don't know. I, I guess this is the most bland, vanilla-like game recap we've ever had uh, throughout our entire podcasting journey here. Um, really not much to say. Uh, this, I mean, I, I guess another – low blow for us is Uribe picked up his fifth yellow card and he's not going to be against, uh, he's not going to be playing against Oroca this weekend as well as Marcanu. Uh, you know, these two players, I mean, we have our issues with Uribe. He's been up and down, but he's still like one of these experienced, uh, players that we rely on tons of leadership and whatnot. And also Marcanu, who's actually been doing rather well this season, two big losses. Uh, what, I mean, what, what do you think of uh, both of them missing out against um, fifth place Oroca? I mean, Oroca has been tough all season, so we'll see what that means for us. But I, I think we'll be okay. I think it's time for other guys to step up. We've been saying it all season. We need to see new faces. We need to see who's going to be here first next season. So I think it'll be okay. It's not going to be easy. But I think with a lot on the line, I think these guys will get up for the task. Yeah, absolutely. If there's one thing about us we kind of rise to the occasion when our backs are up against the wall and when we really need to dig and find three points or get a point that we really need we usually kind of pull through so I'm gonna you know it's not gonna be easy it's I I would much rather have both of them on the field but I do think it's still possible you know we we have a good team but we just need to find that connection up top and get these goals in and we can't make any mistake. So I'm kind of curious to see how we play uh, without Marcano and uh, well, Marcano back there. And also with Uribe, I feel like we have good replacements with Grujic and Ostaku, but in the back, we got to make sure that we're rock solid, rock solid like we have been recently. Cause I feel like our defense, the clean sheets have really been bailing us out as of lately. Yeah. So to sum things up, Pep played in his 250th game for Porto in the Derby da Invita. And thankfully, we got a win on a milestone day, unlike his 40th birthday <laughs> against Gil Vicente. <laughs> what so, a savage, man. Yeah. Honestly, round of applause for the guy. Like, Dude, he's, it, just, it, he's a legend. He's an absolute legend. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like 250 appearances with Porto when he was just a, a young kid and then now in the back nine of his career. And he spent the majority of his career at Real Madrid and a couple of seasons at uh, at Besiktas. It's just kind of strange to see 250 appearances <laughs> already. And it's been, what, three years, four years? Yeah, yeah. 2019. It, it, goes arrived, so right? fast, it's, it goes by so fast. And I, I think I've stated this before. When we first got him, well, when we got him again in 2019, I would have never thought that he would be around <laughs> and playing at the level that he is. No, uh, absolutely not. Uh, you know, four years later, it's crazy. And we Dude. re-signed him for another year, and he's going to be coming back. And who knows? How, maybe he does play as, how many as matches well as he is. We're like, Pepe's MVP today, man. And it's just like time and time again. And it's just like, honestly, kudos to the man. Yeah, Absolutely. It's it, when, when we look back at how important his role has been on this team, uh, whether it's just qualifying for second place to get into the Champions League or just winning the league, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that we wouldn't have won uh, one of the previous titles that he's won with us. I don't know about two, man. His presence, his leadership, everything that he offers – the. To all the young players, to the the more experienced player, he is a role model on and off the pitch for 
for all these guys. And I'm, I'm absolutely happy more than I can't even explain how valuable that he has been and still is uh, today. And I think he influences a lot of the younger players and the players that don't have as much uh, experience. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think honestly, just his leadership is think about it. He's, he's been in the champions league finals. He's won them like, like that doesn't that's those are the intangibles that we just can't afford to have on the squad so him being with us are like like these are one in a lifetime like experience that we're gonna have for the young guys that teach them and have like a leader to look up to we're just not gonna have that again yeah and knowing how much he sacrifices just playing for Porto because he could be out in Saudi Arabia. Ronaldo tried to oh, bring yeah. him to Al Nassar and God knows what they would have paid him, but he decided to stay. He wants to be with Porto and players look up to that. The fans love him for that. And there's not too many players in football that are like him that no. want to play for the shirt. And I think if I'm, if I'm not wrong, I know we're, we're like carrying on over here. Um, but I think when at one point he was at Real Madrid, he wanted to come back to Porto and only play for Porto. Um, I think this was like probably five or six years in. So, I mean, this guy, he, he is a rare breed. He loves the shirt. He loves Porto. And I believe Porto is one of the reasons why that he represented Portugal uh, for the national team instead of Brazil, because he was more than capable of playing on the Brazilian national team. That just does it for the game and for Pep. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the to the best part of the show, the Twitter questions. We have quite a few of them. Our first question comes from our friend CD Baruch at CD Baruch eight. It's still early. It's still early, but a discussion about the twenty twenty four election would be of interest. Pinto da Costa at one hundred and thirty seven years young plans to run again. That alone is a big discussion as he could try to groom and help a new president. Will uh, Andre Villas-Boas run or Bahia and who would be best for the club? Yeah, well, it's hmm. been a while since we answered questions about the election and Pinto da Costa and whatnot. Um, my two cents before I dish it over to you because you always have the right answers <laughs> for no. this. Um I think I think as of lately, what I've seen, and I, I touched up on this on the last episode, I like what the board has been doing in the last six, maybe to ten months in terms of restructuring players, uh, increasing their uh, their release clauses, and just restructuring them for the long time, for the long run. And even the players that we brought on board, like Eustachio and Gabriel Verón, young players, players that can be the bedrock of this team for the next few years. I think it's great that we extended them up until 2027. Super happy about that. Um, obviously, I'm disappointed. We all, we're all disappointed on how we've been selling all of the players. So, uh, you know, players like Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, Luis Diaz, you know, the whole nine yards. So as of lately, I'm kind of happy. And, you know, whatever happens, I'm happy that Pinto de Costa, if he does win, that he's kind of coming with the times. But... Uh, <laughs> To answer the question, Jason, I'm going to dish that off to you. Uh, Andres Villasboa or Bahia, who would be the best for the club? Uh, I think, I mean, I think Bahia probably wants it more than anybody, but I think it'd be, I think we'd have to give it to Bowage, man. I think he'd probably, he's probably the most prepped for it and ready for it. Yep. I think um, 
I think he didn't, he never really wanted to be a coach. I think he just, honestly, he's been, this is the role he's been waiting to get in football. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's amazing how he just showed up at Porto and in one season he wins the treble with, you know, their, their Europa league. He's a great manager. I think he's a great mind, but I think he has a great business vision and entrepreneur like vision for the future. I think he's been around football enough to understand how it works. And I think at the time when he's been coaching, whether, uh, where, where did he go after? Was it Chelsea right after us? Uh, or was it tie? Or was it tie? And I, I completely forget. I think it was. I think it was Chelsea, but it was on. Uh, Chelsea or Tottenham? I think it was Chelsea because he followed in the footsteps of Mourinho. I'm pretty positive. And then he did okay to start, and then it went downhill relatively quick. And I think that's when he went to Tottenham. I could be wrong though. Yeah, that's right. He We're went to Chelsea, to, and yeah. then he went to Tottenham. You know, but he, regardless, he's been around. Um, he's been around football in an era where football has been kind of taken by money and, and the commercialization has grown so much. And when you look at two clubs that have done really well in commercialization and, you know, focus aside, like we don't have to focus so much on, on his success as a manager, but his understanding at how big clubs work uh, in terms of commercialization, bringing players, um, making clubs bigger in terms of value and yeah. bringing money in. So he's had experience at Chelsea. Tottenham, regardless of what they've achieved, which is basically nothing in terms of silverware, they've been one of the most successful clubs in the last 10 years in terms of growing their brand. So I think he has a pretty good understanding being in those environments uh, and whatever he learned there, I'm sure he's going to take it with them uh, if he were to become the president of Porto. Yeah, I, I think so too, man. I just, I think he's ready. I think it's that simple. Yeah. So if you had to choose, if, if you had to make a prediction between um, Pinto da Costa or someone else, who do you think is going to win? I think if Pinto da Costa wants it, he still gets it, man. I don't think anyone's going to, yeah. I just don't think anyone's going to take it from him. Essentially, yeah, it's like the uh, the establishment politician of yeah. of Porto. You know, he's the yeah. the guy that that has all the connections, has all the support and whatnot. And it's I I don't know. I think yeah. If I, I have to agree with you, if if he still wants it, he's going to get it. But if he wants to pass it on to someone else, I you know, if he's able to help the new president, whether it would be whether it's Bahia or Andre Vilas Boas. Um, you know, I, that would be great. But regardless what happens, I'm liking what Pinto de Costa and the board has been doing recently. So yeah. I think that's a good sign. So I know we've all been panicking about, oh, like if Pinto de Costa says we're going to still keep selling players for 30, 40 million. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it was just an era uh, or a short period of ignorance um, that kind of held that kind of like hindered our uh our reputation of being a money ball club. But regardless, I think I do like the other options as well that could be present for the future. So I think in the long term run, uh, we're going to be okay. Yeah. I, I think the feelings mutual here. I don't think, I think we're in good hands. I think we're going to have someone in charge that loves the club. And I think that's all we can ask for at the end of the day. Right. It's not just some, some money guy, some business guy. It's someone yeah. who's, they've been in the club, they've won with the club, they know what the culture is about, they know what the city's about. So 
think that's all we can ask for, right? Especially yeah. from Porto, we, we always talk about how we have something special. And this is one of those factors where keeping it in-house, just it helps so much. Just keep that environment and the culture. Yeah, well said. Well said. Jack Hacken, Feyenoord, enjoyer at Companator. What do you think about the recent phenomenon of the last few seasons in which the newly promoted teams all come out very strong and achieve good things, often achieved through exciting coaching players and good planning? How could they change the league on the uh, in the long term? So Shavs uh, Kazapia are in the top 10 this year, as well as Riuav, uh, who are in 11th place. They all came up newly promoted and doing really, really well, getting some good results against big sides. Obviously, Shavs uh, beat Benfica just a couple of weeks ago, and Riuav beat us earlier in the season. Uh, last year, Suriel finished in ninth, and then in the 2019-2020 season, Famalicão finished in sixth place. Uh, you know, it's I, it, we feel like it's almost every single year that there's a newly promoted team uh, that's doing rather well and exceeding expectations, which is kind of bizarre in a league like Portugal, because usually the newly promoted sides, you kind of expect them to be the bottom of the barrel uh, of the league. And usually they're not. But uh, I mean, well, what, what say you about Jack uh, Hacken's question, uh, Jason? Uh what, how do I feel about the these clubs coming up and doing well? Yeah, doing well and how uh, they we can need... change the league in the long run, in the I long term. I think it's what we need. Um, I mean, it's been the same old song over and over, right? I think this is just a breath of fresh air. We need to see more of it. Um, it's sad to see like a club like Santa Clara going back down, but like you, the clubs you mentioned, it's it's nice to see those clubs do well because um, – it's it's just it gets annoying when you see the same clubs over and over. And don't get me wrong, it's it's sad to see a club go down and whether they have history, whatever it is. But it's we need to see sustainability in some clubs, and we need to be able to essentially our league needs to grow, right? The times sometimes clubs bring new ideas, different styles of football, and we we need those clubs to do well because if not, Portugal just becomes the same country, and it becomes like any, any other European country where they just see the same thing over and over. And that gets annoying and tiring. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, it's kind of amazing to see how Fumalico in particular, you, you know, they, they, they had a couple of seasons finishing in the top 10 and, you know, they're losing players because they're doing so well, they're overperforming, but they somehow still find a way to just stay in the league. And they kind of found their groove staying in the Primeira Liga, despite, you know, just showing up just four years ago and doing really well, they're kind of maintaining some sort of consistency and in staying in the league. So definitely really good. I think it's good for the league. And I think, uh, I think it makes the league even more competitive uh, when you have teams that are already qualify that are, are already um, that are already established in the league. And then you have these newly promoted sides uh, that you don't really have so much expectations and they do well in the league the following season, the the newly promoted sides, it's it's really good. It makes the league really, really competitive. We always see those tight races uh, from you know fifth place through tenth place, and those are the teams that really give a hard time to the big three. So it keeps everything really, really competitive and exciting. So I love it. I love these little stories. Manuel Pinto at Eruido Terra. Are your hopes for winning the league still at 7%? I think with Manafa, we have a 100% chance. 
<laughs> jokes aside, I think he has been playing actually really well. Not excellent. Uh, he hasn't been bad at all. <laughs> yeah, so that one uh, that one was directed at me. I had a 7% chance, and I think that was uh, us going into Benfica. Right now, I'm at a, like, 21% chance, so it Mate, went up still just fair. a little bit. And I think yeah. I think maybe after this week, depending how Benfica and Braga do, I don't know, maybe the chances will go up uh, simply because Manafa is carrying us there. <laughs> six games, six dubs since being a starter. Just loving this Manafa uh, effect here. Jason, what do you think? Well, um, did you, uh, What's your percentage? Uh, I'm like, I'm not much more than you. I'm like 30%. I'm like I said, I'm not going to get my hopes high because we're still coming from behind, but listen, it's better than before. Yeah. So I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, at the time of my prediction, I was, I would have never placed the bet. Yeah. But right exactly. now, you know what, going into this weekend, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd make a little <laughs> small wager on it. You know, my, my, my hopes are up a little bit and it's definitely more possible. So let's see what happens. But yeah. Uh, before I move on to the next question, opinions on Managad. I mean, he's just the same player he's always been, right? He's uh, he's nothing spectacular. Um, he works really hard for Porto. Sergio Conceição loves him. But uh, at the end of the day, he's just Manifa. He works really hard, and you get what you get. Yeah, you get what you get. It's not yeah. the best, but I don't know. The, the, the trend is there. The effect is there since yeah. he's been a starter. Six wins, and... For for what has happened to Joel Mario, I thought the season was going to be for for yeah. as long as he was going to be out. I would have never thought we would get this close to Benfica because he was really finding his groove and finding that replacement. And Manafab being it, at first you're like, "What the hell? This is not good." But hey, it's been working, and hopefully it keeps on working until the end of the season. Hey. Miguel Zada at Migos underscore FCP. Bias aside, do you really believe Porto will be champions? I want it, but I'm not sure. They have to lose two games, hopefully versus Braga and Sporting, but I don't see it. Maybe one loss, one draw. We have the tiebreaker, don't we? uh, No, we don't. Then head-to-head is the same, and their GD is much better than ours. So that's a good point that you brought up. And to answer Miguel Zada's question... um, so if Porto, for example, if if Porto win all their games and Benfica win all their games except for Sporting and Braga, if they draw both games, that's minus four points. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would be essentially we would be tied in points, and it would come down to the goal differential because the head-to-head was tied on aggregate, and gotcha. the away goal doesn't play an effect to it. So it would go down to. Uh, goals differential. Benfica right now, I think, are plus ten. So we start. Yep. We got. We have to make it rain on it. If if it was going to come down to that, but uh, if if Benfica say they lose this weekend and then tie to uh, uh, Sporting, then that's minus five. And if we win every single game, then we're completely through. We're we're champions that way. Okay. Uh, and I think that's super possible to happen because I think Braga is just they're just irking for second place. Um, and they're still in the title hunt, essentially, mathematically. But who knows? Um, but they want to beat Benfica. They want to get as close to second place as possible. So they're going to throw everything. And I think it's possible that they can beat Benfica. And then Sparthing, they'll be mathematically out of the Champions League by the second to last game of the season. But I'm sure they'll want to spoil Benfica's parade, without a doubt. 
So both teams have something to, to fight for. You're going to have two hungry sides for sure. Um, but to answer the first part of the question, do we really believe Porto will be champions? What do you it's, say, Jason? I, I don't think we believe, but we believe there's a chance to be champions. Yeah. I think yeah. that's I think that's the the big thing. Yeah. I mean, what did I say? 23%? Yeah. Am I up to <laughs> yeah, 23%. So, uh do I believe it? Eh, it could happen. Uh I'm not going to rule us out. Uh, Benfica have choked before. We've overcome def- deficits like this before. We've overcome situations where our backs have been against the wall. I mean, I feel like we had that reputation of being that club that is really resilient and we're never yep. out until we're out. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. It it wouldn't surprise me if it does happen now. Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before the Benfica game, I would have been very surprised. But now, given that we're only four points away with four games to go and Benfica have those two big games coming up still, it's it's still possible. But I revert to us focusing on us and winning every single game, regardless of how can it do. is. That's all, all we, can do. we can do. MMM at Mike Dizazouge 15. Would you guys like to see Portugal go to a 20 league team with 38 games? Um, I mean, this is interesting. I don't know how much impact it would have. Like, I don't know if I would recognize it mentally. If you know what mm-hmm. I mean, I just it'd be like, yeah, we have two extra teams, but like mentally, I don't know if I'd realize it. I think it'd just be like extra fixtures at the end of the day. But yeah, I don't know if we'd really like feel it. If you know what I mean, I think we would feel it in a way of competition because there's two ga- two weaker teams that are going to be added to the league, and I think it makes it less competitive for teams like Braga. Uh, teams like Sparthing, I mean, even us too. I shouldn't just say, just rule those two out. Um, I think it makes it more competitive when you have fewer games yep. and fewer games of teams that are weaker than already the bottom two. So you're kind of like watering down statistics here. Um, and on top of it, I think financially wise, adding two more teams, I think would... I think the rest of the league would suffer in terms of whatever they gain through broadcasting rights or earnings or whatever it is. So, and I, and to, to uh, kind of like reiterate on it, league owns going to go to 18 teams. I believe uh, I think it's going to be next season because of that exact uh, situation, the whole uh, broadcasting rights, the whole pool of money and whatnot, the teams are going to make a little bit more. Yeah, Um, in terms of revenue, and it's going to make the league more competitive. We kind of see it. Well, we don't really see it in the Bundesliga, but we're starting to see it a little. We could see it more in uh, league on like we do in the Portuguese league. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know, because I just feel like adding two weaker teams, especially to the Portuguese league. I think it just kind of waters it down too much and it takes away the revenue the the whole pot earnings for the entire league Portugal's not really big enough in terms of quality and revenue wise to have such a big league I think it would be I don't think it would be a good idea and it probably would hurt them in European competition too right I know it's not a majority of the league but right yeah yeah and um I mean, maybe it would have an impact on the quality of sides as well. Um, 
not so much just like Porto, Sporting, and Benfica, but these teams that are in the Europa League, the the Conference League, teams like um, uh, uh, Guimarães and even, you know, uh, what's the team, uh, Roca, that's going to qualify next year or they're hoping to. Yeah. You know, that could always affect them uh, as well in uh, their competitions in Europe. And we don't really want to affect our coefficient any more than what it is so if i had to unless if there was a change in terms of broadcasting and more revenue for all the clubs i don't recommend bringing in more teams in my opinion our final question comes from matt's at matt's attack nine looking forward to the next pod questions for the next episode what damage are you expecting braga and Sporting to cause to benfica's title race are Aroca the team to worry about for Porto's title chances? Okay, I I think I mean I don't see Benfica losing both of them, right? But I do see a tie and a loss. Yeah. But on the same hand, it's not it's not just our next game Aroca. We have Kazapia to worry about too. So yep. it's gonna this is gonna be an interesting like next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, and I think Kazapia are also trying to fight for well, they're 39 points out. Uh, yeah, they're not so much going to fight for Aroca, but, I mean, this is a team that's been, you know, defensively sound. They're not doing really well on the attack, but they've really made the lives difficult for, for Porto. We I, we drew against them back in, in, in January, and they were just – they didn't let anything happen for happen to us. Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy at all. We talked about how Benfica has the toughs – the tougher schedule because they have two very tough opponents, but for the remainder of the season, we have pretty tough opponents as well in terms of the top 10. Like I mentioned before, these teams that are in the top 10 make it very difficult for the top three. Uh, we have Aroca, Casapia, Famalicão, and even Guimarães. Those are four teams that are pretty solid that could definitely disrupt us one way or another. So, uh, and on top of that, we play Famalicão tomorrow for the Taça de Portugal, another team that's not easy, as we saw in the first leg and another um, uh, the previous meeting in the league as well. Never easy. So we got uh, we got a lot to we got a lot to play for, and we have to stay sharp one hundred percent. That's why I was saying with Marcano and Uribe not being there against Aroca, it's going to be really really hard. I would prefer just to lose one of them instead of both of them, but. I mean, you know, we still had the quality. We still have what it takes to to win these games regardless. So, I don't know, Jason. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Do you have uh, any last words before I wrap things up? Uh, I think I just want to mention that we are going to Aroca, and they have a tight stadium. It's a smaller pitch. It's not as big as the Dragão. So, it's definitely going to be tough to to get up and play in a small small stadium on a Monday afternoon. So we'll see what we can do, but I have some faith in Porto. I think they have enough to get it done. Let's, uh, vamos. 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 Aroca, Casapia, Famalicão, Famalicão, and Vitoria de Guimarães are the final five games of the season, not including the potential Daso de Portugal final, if we make it. Uh, so let's, Let's see. Let's let's finish the season. Regardless where we finish, let's finish with six straight dubs. I would be pretty happy with that. That means that we at least qualify for the Champions League, possibly win the league, and win another trophy, Taça de Portugal. So let's hope that 
happens. So thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Porto Podcast in English. Follow us on Twitter at FCPortupodENG. Follow us on Instagram at PortuPodENG. On Facebook, the Porto Podcast in English. And if you like the show, please subscribe. Hit the five stars. Leave a review, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. We'll see you on the next episode.